Welcome to the Dementia Caregiver Talk Show, a podcast to help you navigate the senior care maze. Learn and laugh with us as we discuss creative solutions and ideas to common and uncommon dementia care challenges and how to make sense of the senior care industry and options even if you're not a professional. Hello and welcome to Dementia Care Partners Talk Show. My name is Greg Phelps and joining me on the program today is uh, none other than Tifa Snow, Valerie Furek, and Joanne Westbrook. And our subject today is one that uh, was suggested to us by one of our uh, listeners, Tifa. And this has to do with transitioning persons living with dementia from one location to another. Boy, talk about a wide open subject because it could be something simple trying to transition somebody to uh, help them with eating or it could be to the washroom or it could be to the other side of the country or international flights. So where would a person begin? Well, I usually start with, do they want to go? Do they seem to know where we're going and what we're up to? Or is this a mystery? Because that's step number one is, is this someone interested in doing what it is I'm proposing? Or do they have something else they're doing or they don't want to go? Which are two different things, actually. Okay, well, let's, let's start with the simple one. Let's suppose that this person does want to go. Okay then it's important to have my ducks in a row about the sequence of events that need to take place for this to happen. And I need to have in mind, okay, so what's going to make this a comfortable transition for the person? So is this somebody who is really curious about people and loves new adventures? Or is this someone who gets nervous and anxious if we start moving into a space or a place or among people that they're not familiar with? So I want to make sure they have a comfort and that may be a person or it may be a thing or it may be a way of doing things that makes them comfortable. Okay. And how about your own comfort as a care partner in these situations? If I get panicky, that's going to oh, yeah. stimulate the situation. <laughs> as soon as I, I, I show any sign that, uh Oh, I don't know that this is going to go well. I will give off sort of a vibe and, and sometimes it's just, so do you want to sit down? Hey, Greg, would you like to sit? How about you sit? Because I, I just need to check something. Okay. As soon as I check something and my tone of voice, my breathing pattern, my eye contact or shift, my body. I mean, people living with dementia are quite skilled at still picking up on a number of cues that we give off without thinking about it when we start experiencing a sense of, uh-oh, or, oh no, or what if. Um, and we may not even know we're doing it because we're so ourselves that we aren't really paying attention to what we're doing. We think we are. <laughs> so important to have a plan and to control yourself to help control the situation, to make it more comfortable for the person that you're, you're transitioning. So for me, what that might mean is I want a second person. Uh, and that second person, I want to have a signal with them that, okay, can you, can we switch out because I need to check on something. And if I know that, hey, Joanne, would you mind for just a second getting you and Greg, Greg, Joanne is going to get you all of us something to drink. How about you guys go and you can carry the tray back. I want coffee, a little bit of milk, no sugar. If you'd get that, I'm going to do a check on something and I'll be right back. 
So you're entrusting me to somebody else and allowing you to take care of the business at hand, the panic at hand, perhaps, where a flight has been canceled or something, but I don't have to witness that. Right. So you have a job and your job is to carry the tray. I've even told you what it is I would like you to do. And I may demonstrate that and it may not stick with you, but that gave Joanne a heads up as well that it's to engage you, not just to say, come on, Greg, Tipa needs to do something. That's real different than, hey, Greg, yeah, come help me. She wants coffee. Would you rather have coffee or something else? And so they are already set up. Now, that's if I'm capable of realizing who I need. I need Greg not to be witnessing this. This is going to get him upset. He doesn't like delays. So instead of a delay, what is Greg experiencing? Now, the other part of the question that was asked of us was, uh, can a person can, living with dementia fly? Now, you've broken it down to do they want to or not want to. Let's take it to the don't want to or don't necessarily understand the reason of, of why they're being transported or transitioned. Right. So if someone is in a secured space and they don't like that secured space and they don't understand why they're in the secured space, what happens even if someone's in a home and they want to be somewhere else? How does that usually go with dementia? Sideways, frequently. Okay. What if they're in a facility and they're in a secured area and they don't want to be there? Oh, that could be not a pretty picture. What if they're in a vehicle moving on the interstate and they don't want to be there? Well, again, oh, this this is risky has all... or dangerous. Does that turn into risky or dangerous? I mean, it's, that's it's dangerous. dangerous. Past uncomfortable. That's actually dangerous. So, what would what would happen if we were going to be up in at what ten thousand feet above? Because that's when everything makes everything available. And the person decides, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I don't care what you say. I want out. Now we have a major incident that is going to be on front page news, uh, potentially. And it's why would we put ourselves in that situation in the first place? If a person truly has already expressed, I don't want to do this. I think this is a good idea. But then we go on into it that way. That's like, ooh, that's like getting in a speeding car and not locking the door and saying, okay, well, let's just go and see what happens. Yeah. It's like, ooh, bad idea. Um, because I'm not even the driver. I'm a passenger too. Uh, on the other hand, if somebody seems like they're doing okay, I would want to, if I were contemplating um, them going and they tend to get anxious, whatever is used to manage anxiety on the ground, I would certainly want to test that out. Does it indeed manage anxiety when in a moving vehicle in an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar people? So people in the back seat, put the person in the back seat, put some other people in the front seat. There's a lot going on, serve drinks. I mean, try some things at least that give you a sense of how will this person respond when they have a seatbelt on, they're not supposed to move, um, here, have this, would you like this? And there's music and there's stuff going on because that's basically, quite frankly, sort of what happens in a airplane. So I, I guess what I'm hearing is the, is the one word that you sort of skipped over really quickly uh, in order that we could keep the program going. And that was the why. I think at some point we have to really examine that, don't we? We do. Um, and there's several whys. There, why are we doing this transportation thing? Why is the person not liking what's going on? And why are we uh, committed to this form of transportation? 
So it may be appropriate in some occasions to travel, albeit slower, by car across mm -hmm. the country, by train across the country, whereas mm -hmm. a, a jet may be totally unfamiliar. It might be their first and worst experience. Yeah, but it's for somebody who's done it a lot, it may be, well, that just doesn't make sense to go in a car. Why don't we just go in the plane? It's like, okay, well, why don't we do that? So, so I mean, a lot the, of it has yeah. to do with history, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that would be, uh, to me, one of those issues about whether somebody can handle being in a small closed-in area without, you know, some kind of, you know, medication that would help um, that anxiety because that is, can be very overwhelming in a very tight situation, mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And well, and because you have to go, there's going to be TSA, there's going to be millions of people <laughs> around you, a completely yeah. environment, just noises. I mean, there's just so yeah. many. You know. So one thing that some airports are doing um, to prepare people who live with autism for flying is they're doing these sort of pre-flight opportunities to explore TSA to get to see how it goes. And I would actually encourage people, if you're gonna be flying with somebody who's living with dementia and they haven't done a lot of flying recently, what if you contact the, the airport and say, do you have a program for people living with brain change like autism? I have someone who's living with brain change. It's not autism, it's dementia. And I'd like to also have them try think, something out because I wanna see how it goes before we go planning this whole flight business. Right. In this uh, format that we use on our podcast, the one thing that we have is a, as a time limit, and uh, time doesn't really <laughs> allow us to drill down into so many different aspects of this, because with the knowledge that uh, people have now through positive approach to care, we would start examining, okay, what gem state are they at, and then studying what is preserved, what's left. Mm-hmm. And what kind of person are they? Are they more of an introvert or an extrovert? Are they somebody who's very focused on items? Or are they somebody who's very focused on conversation? Are they somebody who loves music or somebody who's not really impacted by music? They like headphones, they can't stand them. I mean, we have to sort of really do a lot of individual work to go further and be effective. Otherwise, we're putting a Band-Aid on something that is just going to boil up underneath and not very helpful. It's almost like you need to develop your own pre-flight checklist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in another podcast, we talked a little bit about hospital bags um, because there's a high probability at some point you're going to end up at the hospital with someone who's living with dementia and you're going to be involved too. So maybe it's a pre-flight bag. So it's the same kind of idea. Maybe looking at the resource we, we offered out, even for the hospital bag, might give you a hint of things to consider taking along, even for you know, what might be considered a short trip, just to get used to the idea of what it takes to do this right. So thank you very much, uh, Tipa, Valerie, and Joanne. Uh, I don't know that we provided any specific answers because there's no one answer is going to fit every particular uh, problem or uh, situation that comes up. But I, I think we've given people some ideas to consider and hopefully it'll be incentive for you to search the internet and find out more of uh, Tipa's videos that she's graciously made available and also check out the Positive Approach to Care, the Tipa Snow website. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.